Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year. The pod. Wait a minute. We actually can't start the podcast now, guys. We have about 30 minutes of nights on ice to fight each other, um, to pump up the podcast, and we're going to actually have a, a band play uh, as well. Um, Imagine Dragons will be playing shortly uh, yep. to get out everybody all pumped up for our OTA talk tonight. Um, it's, as, and I think we're going to make that the routine before every every pod from now on. Correct. Yes, and the, yes, of course. And, and as fans know, I'm 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 the King Arthur of the podcast, if you will. I'm Frank, and and uh, you know the other King Arthur's as of their own uh, parts of the round table. Uh, we have Sir Paul and Sir Scott with us. I think right. you could just be the go ahead, just be the knights. I don't think there's any need to. Oh, I see what you're doing. It's yeah. Right. Yeah, I was yeah. going to be more. Oh, I, I get it. Okay, I'm slow. That's okay. That's okay. Well, we... right. for those of you like I, I was actually entertained by the night stuff on Sunday, but it just went on for about oh twenty minutes too long. Yeah, it was. It was. Was, it was, kind of, yeah. it was Vegas, but you know, you got to got to shorten those things. As I've said, like if you've been to Las Vegas, that's kind of everything that happens in Las Vegas is. You can't go to the buffet table without some sort of production happening or somebody trying to tell you that this is the best thing ever. And sure. it all just feels a little slimy, but they, okay. they keep on trying to entertain us. How dare they? Please stop. Right. Go yeah. away. I just the want to side, drink and gamble in silence. Yeah, the flip side of that, of course, before we move on to our Bills podcast, is that everybody in Washington pulled the most Washington move ever and was like super annoyed that like the, the Knights were having fun. Um, they were like openly like hostile, like, oh, this is so ridiculous. This isn't hockey. And it's like, of course. What else would you expect from us? Just a bunch yes. of Washingtonians Fam- to like turn your nose up at like some fun. Fam- famous hockey town, Washington, DC. Right. <laughs> Letting people know how to how 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 the real hockey fans this is the Santa and the Cup is not a battle of traditional hockey towns. We yeah. can certainly say that with uh with fine. conviction. Let's just let's just all yes. realize that. That's, that's, what was that's the, there was a joke online that you know the Stanley Cup is between two cities, one of which is a is a is a paragon to wealth and decadence and and sin and shame, and the other one is Las Vegas. <laughs> there is uh, there a lot of similarities here. We present differently in the District of Columbia than we than they do in Vegas, but there's you go under the surface. There's right. there, there's a lot of similarity there. Well, in case you couldn't tell, this is a Buffalo Bills podcast, and it's also the off season. Uh, which seasoned <laughs> listeners will know means uh, the the amount of F's given is is less by half minus two. And so we are we oh, are want to ramble a bit more uh, during the thinner days here of the podcast. Um, and to Frank's point about this, when he was talking about this being the off season, it being a slow time and said, you know, it's the off season. It reminded me that I need to add seasoning to the tacos I am currently making which is something I would only do during an off-season podcast. Right. You know, I would at least, I'd at least get, try and give the B-plus game during the, the, the regular season. Now right. it's like, okay, i got to make these tacos and pod, and I'm going to multitask that bad boy. Well, there are, some, there are some Bill's topics that we could talk about. So, I mean, some stuff has happened. Uh, and I think we're going to start with our first topic, unless there are other uh, objections. Uh, uh, which is broadly speaking, OTAs, the organized team activities that the Bills have been playing uh, or taking part in 
uh, for about a, a couple weeks now. I, I forget when they started. I think, this, I think this is week two. So yeah, and it's and we're halfway through it. So yeah, week and a half in. Right. Um, and what do we what do we think of these? I mean, I know that there was one open practice, and uh, I think maybe the biggest controversy was that Nate Peterman was taking reps with the 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 first team as opposed to the second team, and and Josh Allen was taking reps with the third team, which I think that part people weren't so surprised by, but the Nate Peterman splitting with AJ McCarron was a little uh, unnerving. Um, Scott, did you have any thoughts about that or other things happening? In, in I, I mean, I mean, I, I don't think, uh, I mean, it's not particularly surprising. I, I don't think anyone can really reasonably expect that they would give up on Peterman. They did not give up on Peterman after the San Diego game last year. And, you know, one, you know, um, they, they obviously, you know, had to put him back in. Um, I don't think they'd be doing their due diligence. The coaches to a certain extent, you know, obviously there, there's a relationship between Bean and McDermott about what the team's doing and where they feel comfortable with the talent and what they don't. Um, but at the same time, you know, now that he's on the team, you got to get him reps sometime. Right. It, it's, it's clear that they want to, uh, frankly, it's more important. Uh, now that I think about it, it's probably more important that they don't put Josh Allen in splitting reps with the ones um, and how that reads to the adoring populace. Um, and it's probably more important to make it clear that both Peterman and McCarron are ahead of him to put less pressure on him and on Allen. And if that means, you know, Peterman gets another couple, you know, um, bites at the apple here to, to try and improve. So what, I mean, ultimately I don't think anyone thinks that he's the solution. If he is great, but regardless, uh, you know, I, I I'm not too concerned about it. I think obviously Allen's development is, is, of most importance. And I think for right now, that means keeping him in third string and not putting too much pressure on him. So. Yeah, I, I, I love dissension, but I'm going to agree with, with Scott on this. I think Peterman, we all remember the San Diego game. We also tend to forget that in some pretty crummy conditions against Indianapolis in the snow, he started that game, played a good half plus before uh, getting hurt, diving headfirst for a first down, which is a good sign of a good competitor. And as Scott mentioned, you don't, it is less important that you get Nate Peterman what you consider to be appropriate backups based on his spot on the roster versus not putting too much pressure on Josh Allen too early. You've invested a lot more in Josh Allen than in Nate Peterman. So you may as well, you know, let give Peterman that chance. He's certainly earned it by virtue of being the senior quarterback on that roster. McCarron is brand new to the team, as is Josh Allen. In fact, none of it, when Frank was talking and mentioned all three QBs, reminded me two years ago, we would not be having anything like this discussion. It was Tyrod, it was EJ, and it was Matt Castle that were in this discussion. So a total 100% turnover. So, you know, I think it's it's absolutely fine that Peterman gets to run with the the ones. He is the only one on the field who's worked with some of the guys he's out there with. And you want, you know, Josh Allen apparently need a lot of coaching his first couple of weeks. This is a shock to no one at all. So I was glad that, you know, they're, they're taking the approach they're, they've been taking. And I'm glad McCarron probably got some – yeah, I'm sure McCarron got at least half the snaps with the ones as well. So I agree that this is, you know, exactly the right approach you want to, you know, make sure your veterans get a chance to truly win the jobs and compete for them and that also you are not rushing along a prized rookie and handing him the keys to the Corvette when you've got to warm him up on the Subaru. Let me, uh, let me say something to this and then modify the question and then I'll send it back around. Um, I, I think that the, the, the one other thing I would say about 
this being a, a good idea or a reason why you might do it is you don't want to particularly hand the job to anybody either. I mean, I think that they probably were made clear with Alan um, from the get go that he was going to be developing and learning the system. And so it makes sense that like, as you guys have said that he's starring on a low to lower totem pole. So he's not overwhelmed, but with regards to McCarran and Peterman, you know, they're both technically veterans and there are qualities that, you know, like, uh, like, like Paul said that, you know, he at least knows some of the other players as opposed to McCarran and they're both working under a new system. And so even if you, even if the coaching staff believes AJ McCarron is going to be the starting quarterback week one, it's a good message to send probably that, you know, nothing is given, you know, that there are no Jim Kelly's here. Uh, so you're going to have to earn it. And that includes Only rookies have to work hard. Right. Exactly. Rookies have to work harder. Um, but you know, all you veterans, you know, that the pecking order stops somewhere, um, mm. you know? And so th- that's that. Now here's my follow-up question is, at the end of camp, what will the quarterback order be? And will you be worried if it's not that order? Which is to say, and I'll, I guess I'll answer the question first to give you an idea of what I'm asking here. You know, I would expect the order to be something, I would, would, I would expect the order to be, you know, McCarran, Allen, and then Peterman. And I would be worried in one way if Allen hadn't, quote unquote, graduated a bit. Um, you know, I, I, I guess maybe I wouldn't be terribly worried if he was still the third string quarterback, but I would be worried if AJ McCarron for some reason wasn't, didn't come out of this as the, as the best quarterback of the group to start. Um, you know, I would be a little surprised if Josh Allen ended up starting week one, probably the most surprised of the three. So, and you mean, so you mean the end of training camp and yeah, the end of like, by the time we're, by, yeah, by the time we're okay. yeah, coming into like, it's important to know, you know, what the depth chart's going to end up looking like. Is there a point at which you'd say, okay, we gave Peterman his chance, but like if Peterman is still like beating AJ McCarron, <laughs> to me, that says more about AJ McCarron than it does Nathan Peterman. And if Josh Allen is still sort of languishing as the third quarterback or on the practice squad, or something, I don't think he could be on the practice squad. Yeah, he would, yeah, I think he'd have to be exposed to waivers to be on the practice squad. <laughs> so he's, he is firmly entrenched. Right. So the, if he's still, but if he's still languishing with the third team, um, that to me might be like a red flag of, uh oh, um, am I making sense? Am I reading too much into it? Let's start with Paul and then Scott. Yeah, no, and I, I don't think you're reading too much into it. I will, I will disagree a bit. I can give a quick scenario on what set, I think it's a set of circumstances that more important. So these sets of circumstances would lead me to be okay with any of the orders, the order you presented McCarran Allen, Peterman boy, Allen has a good preseason leaps Peterman on it, but you still want that third quarterback for death because Peterman didn't do too bad during the offseason. And McCarran is that bridge guy. The team was hoping when they picked him up, you swap Peterman and Allen, maybe it's Peterman was super impressive. Allen's a little slow to pick things up, but he's shown the same raw tools. So he's on there. And then if you t- take Peterman and put him on top of the pile, Again, I, as Scott said, I don't think Nate Peterman's the answer more than anyone else does. But you know what? Versus A.J. McCarron, it's not as if, you know, he's saying, oh, he can't beat out Drew Brees for this job. You know, he might be able to beat out A.J. McCarron. And then, you know, where McCarron and Allen fall behind him very well could do with, you know, McCarron's a seasoned veteran. If Peterman goes down, we want him to, to get in there before exposing Allen to some pressure. So all of those circumstances would make me absolutely fine with pretty much 
any order coming out of the offseason. The things that wouldn't make me fine having Allen higher up because there's been an injury when maybe he's not in fact ready, which presses him to an EJ manual like situation when Kevin Cobb got hurt and manual was pressing to duty sooner than the team wanted or a situation where everyone is essentially underperformed what the expectation is for them. And so they're just kind of slot in the spots where the bills had them in mind for during the off season. So I think the, the circumstances of where they end up slotted after camp is more important to me than, than the order. Cause I'm actually okay with, with any order. I, I, yeah, I mean, I frankly kind of agree with Paul. I think, um, you know, obviously injury is the biggest concern. I mean, you never want to have any player injured, you know, ever, unless it's Tom Brady. And uh, that's, you know, for the bills, obviously that, that goes double. Um, I think the, I think in terms of the, the order, yeah, like literally like I have almost no problem with, um, with Allen being third string going into the season. And I, I mean, would I be obviously like, I'd rather have him like come out of camp and he looks like Joe Montana. Uh, I mean, he's not going to look like Joe Montana because Joe Montana was not like a six, five, you know, cannon throwing, you know, uh, mobile huge guy coming out of uh, Notre Dame, if I recall. Right. Um, we wouldn't mind if he looked like Kate Upton, you know. <laughs> Again, if he could throw the ball, I mean, yeah, sure, why not? Um, but it, it's the point is, is that you know, I think, um, yeah, it'd be great if he if he came out looking great out of camp and and they felt strongly about him. I still wouldn't give him the starting job week one, even if he was. Um, but frankly, even if it was very clear that he was um, a step behind in his development, if he wasn't picking up the offense quite as strongly, if he wasn't, um, if his mechanics had not improved um, consistently, like I would be fine with all of those things at the end of training camp because it's just too soon. Now that we have invested this amount of capital in him, we can't be expecting a return on that investment so quickly. Um that we again we 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 get into a, a worse situation. So in that sense, I I am with Paul. I honestly don't care about the order coming out of camp. Um, okay. I'm expecting a, a step back out of this team, regardless of who starts a quarterback. So, okay. Well, preview for questions later in the podcast. Uh, Harrison Phillips signed his contract today, as of some of the other rookies. I think that leaves Josh Allen and Tremaine Edwards as the only. Two. Yep. Okay. Oh, Josh Edwards signed, so we then there is one. Just Allen is the um, only one left. Unless I am mistaken, someone can no, fact check me on that. I'm pretty sure. Okay, Jermaine Edwards. Uh, and he and that's basically just a formality. I mean, like they're working out some slotted bonus yeah. or something. But he he basically is going to make yep. what he's going to make. Um, any other stories from OTAs? I mean, we're still at the part where the media only gets to watch one day a week and. So, I mean, there's not much to say about it. No, there's not. I think the one thing that from the reports that stuck out to me a little bit more, maybe, which has to do with, you know, where my priorities are and my view is I was trying to look at where those holes are and where the negatives are. I was a little concerned that Ryan Groy didn't get any first team reps at either center or guard. I think when you lose Wood and Incognito in the offseason and not to mention, you know, Cordy Glenn, who I know was not, uh, an active part of the team last year, but let's face it, is a really good offensive lineman. When you lose those guys, you want a guy who stepped up and filled in admirably at the conclusion of the season prior, uh, 2016, to really kind of impress everyone and 
and be the guy who's going to, you know, I will, I will stand up and fill that role. But he was further on down the depth chart, at least from what was publicly witnessed. So that, that was a little, you know, a bit of a problem to me. We'll see if, you know, how things shake out on the offensive line. Mostly though, I think everything, there were no other real surprises in terms of who was lining up when, you know, they mentioned that the receivers were all kind of messed up because Zay Jones was out. So you obviously had Calvin is the clear number one and then pretty much, everyone else rotating in as you know needed more than anything because no one's really no one on that roster except for maybe Kersey is uh curly not Kersey is proven you know anything at the NFL level really so you know we'll we'll find out how that goes otherwise defensively I know Shaq Lawson was running with the twos a lot of the time he's allegedly more determined this year to make a difference but we'll see if that actually pans out or not so those were just some of my thoughts based on what I've I've read about OTAs. I've not watched any footage. So that is more an assessment of coverage. Right. Of OTAs I'll get to thoughts else. on coverage too. Uh, the Bills coverage too later in the podcast. Um, but for now, I think I'm ready to switch topic. I, I just was. I'm so sorry, Scott. I think I cut you off there. You did a little bit. We're working still through our transitions of segments and such. But yeah. I was just going to say the, the one story that I think Paul neglected to bring up was, was Edwards slotting in right away at starting middle linebacker, which I think was a little surprising to me at least. Yeah. I mean, obviously we knew that he was going to be invested in a lot of, um, obviously we invested in him as well. So there was probably more of an expectation. There's less pressure on a, on a linebacker or an edge rusher than there is on quarterback Yeah, to be a, to be an impact right away. I'm still a little surprised that they didn't um, try and work him in a little bit slower and not make him wear the helmet, even though obviously we had a gap at middle linebacker. I assume that's what their plan all along was, was they were picking him to be the, the Preston Brown essentially. Um, but that is a lot of responsibility to put on him. So again, it seems like he's, you know, Lorenzo Alexander's there, you know, helping him through the checks and stuff. Uh, hopefully that continues throughout the season. But um, I mean, ultimately it's good for his development. I, I think to, to give him, you know, to at least, test him out on some of these kind of things uh, again, given the, the relative difference in pressure that uh, Edwards and Allen are facing. Oh, well, thank you for the follow-up, Scott. I appreciate that. Um, and yes, we are still working on, I think the transitions work pretty well, but I've got to come up with a better cue to let everyone know we're transitioning to the next topic. Um, perhaps that transition could be me throwing a dumbbell at each of you from across the gym. Um, that's one solution that keeps us all in line yeah it's a very uh, I was trying to make light of what probably at the time was an incredibly scary thing that happened um, because about a week ago the the story of Richie Incognito was going to be hey they just decided to let him get off the retirement list and sign with a new team because that's what had happened they just sort of planned on uh, holding him on the retirement list and not letting him free and all of a sudden they went back and they were like, uh, you know what, let him go. And that was going to be it. And where was he going to sign? And it looks like he had gotten his way with ticks. Um, and then the next thing you know, he is being arrested at a gym in Miami and he is then um, put into a psyche valve and it comes out that he is throwing a dumbbell at somebody. Now today there was no charges listed, um, but you know, it still affects the bills. He was the last team uh, that he had, been on and had signed with and clearly it had gone from you know uh kind of weird to bad to maybe worse um scott what are your thoughts if any on this 
Well, I'm. Um, uh, it's difficult for me to comment about national security mm-hmm. matters on the podcast. Okay, but I, I, I suppose in this case, I may make an exception. Um, but obviously, uh, I should not probably joke because obviously. Well, I made a joke, so we're already in the clear. I'm, I've already said something terrible. It is a podcast. Get over it, people. Um, if you're having problems, call. You know, just somebody. look. That's do me a favor and don't blame Ambien if you say something terrible, okay? <laughs> and we're, oh, not, no. we're, not, we're not the good people at Ambien are not your right. problem. And don't say anything nearly that terrible, and then we'll we'll all be in good shape. Yeah. Sorry, um, European listeners, if you don't follow that, too bad. Yeah. Um, exactly. Marka. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, this I think decreases the chances that we're gonna play him in the in the regular season now I, I think that they could say that um i it does kind of you know it's it's weird um if you asked us two or three months ago like how's richie incognito doing on the bills you'd be like well he's done pretty great model citizen i guess i, I don't right. know you know maybe he turned a new leaf uh seems like uh you know maybe that was maybe all that bullying stuff got taken out of context or you know maybe martin's just a you know guy didn't really understand what he was getting into in terms of an NFL locker room and and kind of, you know, uh, ultimately a very kind of alpha male dominant environment. But uh, maybe that, maybe that, uh, maybe that two years of evidence wasn't particularly um, persuasive or necessarily uh, credible in terms of its uh, reliability. So. Yeah, I would. uh, Yeah. Jumping in uh, one for those of you where, you know, where we're making fun of, you know, mental, mental health issues. We're, we're certainly not. We're just making fun of Richie Incognito because that is an easy target. <laughs> it's it's that he's just kind of a weird, jerky guy who's got a lot of, of problems. So, yeah, I think the Bills, this gives a lot more context to their decision to get rid of him in the offseason. Yeah, he was being weird on Twitter. It was, seemed kind of odd. But now we're really getting the full scope of there's something, you know, not going on quite right there. In fact, you know, you could – the only critique I'd want to log at the Bills on on this is you could – it is kind of bad form. It's like, oh, we recognize this guy's falling off the wagon. Let's get him out of our organization so he's not our responsibility anymore. It's like, eh, it's, it's, it's a business. It's cold. I get that. But, you know, could have, you know, kept him on the reserve list, gotten him some help, whatever it would have, you know, would have done. But I'm a bleeding heart, so what do I know? But – you know, obviously, Richie's got, you know, a lot of uh, issues to, to work out. As Scott said, it surely decreases the chances they're going to see to face him in the regular season. This will be more of a red flag. I think even the bullying was. It kept him out of the league for a year. When, once, it, you know, he, he got a second chance and it's shown he could be a model citizen, which he was for the Bills, really, for three years. He didn't get into any sort of trouble. But, you know, I, I, I wish – uh, you know, Richie's, you know, head gets gets back together a little bit. I, I hope that he gets the treatment he needs. And I really am, you know, thankful that, you know, for the Bills' sake that, you know, they've, you know, get, came to an amenable, you know, conclusion with him and can now focus on, you know, the, the people on their team who aren't causing these issues. Thankfully, they don't have <clears throat> Jay Jones or, you know, any problems with people like that on the roster. So. Well, yeah. It's going to hurt his Hall of Fame chances. Yes. Too, by the way. <laughs> yes. Tad. In, well, the other thing is, like, I don't want to 
quite lump Zay Jones in with Richie Incognito yet. I mean, Zay Jones certainly seemed like a firm Right, different himself. personality. I love Zay as a person, whereas right. Richie was always kind of a jerk, regardless of what you yeah, thought and, about and Zay, Zay's, the Zay's episode certainly seemed to be, like, self-damaging as opposed to, you know, violent towards other people, which seems to be Richie's, you know, not just this time, but, like, his previous instances were, in fact, like, you know, aggressive towards other people, uh, both teammates and, and I, I guess you'd call them civilians. Um, but uh, in any event, I, I sort of echo all those thoughts. I don't want to jump off and jump back on here. I think I just want to jump right into the Anthem topic because the in, I think we've said what we should say on Incognito and to talk more would sort of, I don't know, just be kind of speculating on, on as we pointed out, probably a mental health issue. Um, but Speaking of mental health issues, the owners uh, voted on the anthem, and I think they made everyone upset. I'm not sure. Um, so I'm reminded of um, of uh, well, actually, no, I'm not reminded of that. I just wanted to. I was thinking about the the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt came back on on today, and I haven't watched it yet. But the the season ended last year where they they had con- they were t- they had talked a lot about the Washington Redskins name, and uh, one of the characters had convinced all the owners that basically. Redskins wasn't inflammatory enough and it was better to have inflammatory Jersey names because people would buy them in protest and then burn them and then have to buy them again. And so they came up with the Washington gun takers. Uh, and it was great because one of the owners just stood up and yelled, you'll never take my guns. And it was, it was, you got to go watch the scene. It's very funny. And they all come up with like the most divisive names that they can come up with for their teams in order to sell jerseys. Um, but in, in, in the spirit of, you know, I, I think, you know, sort of squarely not making anybody happy, the, the NFL seems to have passed a, I think from my understanding, um, the rule is you don't have to come out for the anthem if you don't want to, but if you do come out for the anthem, you have to stand. And if you don't stand for the anthem, uh, your team, not you, will be fined. Um, and that seems to be the extent of it. Uh, and I have heard people say that it doesn't go far enough because it should be compulsory that all players come out and stand. And um, I believe the president of the United States has gone so far as to talk about firing people again and how what he would do if he was an owner. And, um, you know, generally some in- revoke people's citizenship if they don't. Right. Generally, to- generally things that, uh, you know, the executive, the head of the executive branch ought, you know, even if you agree with him, ought not to say. Maybe I think that's fair. I don't know. Statesmanlike and diplomatic, as always. As always, um, <laughs> correct. Yeah, and, and certainly, you know, a, a well grounded in the Constitution and his powers. Um, so, uh, and then on the other side, you have people saying that this is kind of a like, uh, you know, they, it's a missed opportunity and a bit of a uh, because it's sort of like a worst of both worlds or best of both worlds. It doesn't really. You know, the, the NFL has missed an opportunity here to engage and meet its players where they are. And, and, and you know, it's sort of like a half kowtow to the president. Um, per usual, I, I tend not to agree with anybody uh, other than probably you two. I'm guessing that we'll end up with, you know, reasonably close on, on some of these issues. Uh, I know the Jets owner, his comments were basically like, hey, I would like if everyone st- stood, but I'm not going to make it an issue. And if one of my players doesn't want to stand, we're going to pay the fine and move on. And that to me was, I thought maybe the real crux of the rule was 
or the real reason the rules the way it's shaped as it would be that you could sort of, you know, make a proclamation that this is important and this is important to the NFL and, and we want you to do this. And at the same token, not single out, a, you know, not sort of punish the individual player for exercising uh, his free speech um, and just sort of the onus would be taken upon by the team. And so that there's, it looks like there's some repercussions, but not really for the, the actual um, player, the participating player. Um, so I, I don't want to tell you what I think of it yet uh, because I, I want, I want to go last. Um, so let's, <laughs> let's start with Paul and then we'll go to Scott right. and then, and then I'll, I'll sum up and then, and then anybody who wants, because this is a, a nice meaty issue, anybody who wants to take issue and, you know, you may each reserve for bottle time uh, for your positions. Right now I will give, I will give two, but I feel actual examples to kind of support where I am going to be coming from on this. You look at, you know, a religious group in the United States, like the Jehovah's witnesses or a community like the Amish, these institutions, unless I'm incorrect, do not, salute the flag do not stand for the anthem do not do these sorts of activities so say you know jebediah jones an amish person joins the the bills followed by a jehovah's witness named uh jacob jehovah Uh, that's not very creative but you you get the point here so these players join the bills they choose not to participate in the anthem and they have to pay some sort of fine not because they are trying to make any sort of statement but because of their religion their background their beliefs they are totally grounded in you know not acknowledging the anthem not acknowledging the american flag just because of you know what they what they what their belief system is so i think it's you know i don't understand how this could i mean i understand how they can enforce it and they probably will figure out a way to enforce it i just think this is I feel uh, this is me struggling to not make an overtly political statement here, but I think it is ill ill conceived when you start to give into the statements and whims of a commander in chief who has no say in how a football game and so forth should be conducted, you know, how, you know, what should be allowable or not allowable during the anthem and for the league to cater to that and I believe that's specifically why they're reacting the way they are is just, I feel it's a move of, of cowardice. And I, I do not at all approve of that. If you are a veteran who served the United States or whatever country you happen to be in and the national anthem is important to you, I understand that. I also know there are veterans who have kneeled during the national anthem, uh, African-American veterans who felt the, the same sort of disconnect. So I, I think this is, I think the NFL is overstepping in regulating this issue, I guess, is the crux of what I'm trying to say. And hopefully I do not get the uh, podcast on the watch list for saying it. We were well on the watch list already. Don't worry. (laughs) Good point. Good point. So um, I have, I have some thoughts here. Um, For one, I think, I don't think I can. Um. I'm concerned that it's it's counterproductive and equally as um, ignorant or destructive and destructive to assume that anything that someone you disagree with politically, in this case, let's say the president, um, 
that their that anything they any position that they support is therefore a poison position and cannot be compromised with because that person supports. Yes. Them. Just so, just to be so, clear, we will not essentially as- associate you with the president if you now take a similar position. I, I, I we find you a much more. Oh no! Dropped off. We we've, we've scared away, Paul. Hopefully, you can get uh, back on the air here. I hope so too. I'm gonna uh, wait you know. I'm gonna wait a second, and it doesn't come back. All right, I'm gonna disconnect, and we're gonna we're gonna have Anthem Part Two with Scott. All right. Okay. Scott, that was great. You 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 we set you up and said we're not gonna turn. You know, we're not gonna have an ad hominem attack here, it, and then you dropped off the call. Figures <laughs> absolutely. Um, I was just I was just restating that I didn't think this was a political discussion. Which right. Is why continuing with it, and so getting to the the point the the way that Frank said it was very interesting. He called it he called it a half kowtow, which I think is an awesome figure skating move that I haven't right. seen before. Um, for one, and also <laughs> makes me wonder: is it a cow then or a tow? Right. So we'll it's call it a cow. It's actually in the middle. It's the WTO. Those three letters. That out. Um, so anyway, I think. In, in, in what I would call a half kowtow in English would be a compromise. Sure. It's something that we used to do more regularly in this country, I feel like. And everyone kind of doesn't like it. And no one really feels like they won. Um, that's the most sustainable thing. And it mm-hmm. kind of means that neither side won. And probably on this issue, that's just as important as anything else that we don't kind of continue to fight endless kind of culture wars without, without end. And we kind of remember that we actually have more things in common with each other than we maybe realize from time to time. Um, so yeah, I'm not thrilled with the idea that the NFL is trying to regulate its players free speech this way. However, it's a business. Um, if the players want to express their free speech, they can do it anytime outside of working hours and the NFL I'm not sure has much to say about that. If they were regulating it during that time, I mean, they, to a certain extent would have a bit of a right to under the idea that they are representatives or ambassadors of the game, the way that, you know, actors and things have morality clauses in their contracts um, and other people in other businesses kind of do as well. Um, So I'm not terribly concerned by that. Um, I think, not that obviously like getting arrested is the same as exercising your free speech. It's just something that they, they do out of concern for their business. Mm-hmm. More. Um, so I'm not super thrilled with it, but at the same time, I kind of understand where the owner's coming from. I think it's a perfectly legitimate compromise. I think the, I, I think it's, I think what the owners are doing is essentially they are not, as Frank said, punishing the players. They are essentially putting the onus on the owners, which is who the NFL is, it's the owners, Mm -hmm. to regulate themselves, to essentially take this issue out of the spotlight. And if the owners aren't willing to do that, then they pay the penalty for it. And even then, the penalty for owners docking the money is like docking a fish water. Like It's like, it's not meaningless or it's, it's literally meaningless. Like it, like, unless you're talking about like, you know, seven, eight figure fines here, no one's really going to be too bent out of shape by this if you're owning an NFL team. So I think it's a perfectly legitimate um, compromise uh, position 
you know, that's the thing about compromise. There could have been others that could have been worked that could have benefited one more or the other. But I think at least it's an attempt to find a middle ground, which I appreciate. Yeah, I think, and, and I fully embrace the spirit of what you're saying here. I think the compromise they chose, though, came from lazy thought. It didn't really seem to be a product of a discussion with, like, the players' union. It, from what I understand, it wasn't really on the agenda, or at least it wasn't publicly on the agenda for the owners' meeting, and then it was sort of put together. And so, yes, you're absolutely right that sometimes when nobody is happy, that means you've got a good compromise. I think that in this case, it was it's kind of lazy because you can look at an example like the, the NBA, where in the NBA collective bargaining agreement, players have to stand for the, the national anthem. And I think that part of why no players, you know, went and broke that, even though they were clearly plenty of NBA players were standing in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick and the other NFL players on, on the issue of, of let's not forget that this is sort of a, you know, at the root, this is about, you know, the, the systemic racism in, in America. Like it's not really a protest of the Anthem. The Anthem was used as the vehicle for this protest. Um, but the reason they didn't do that in the NBA was because the NBA works very carefully and closely with its players to help them cultivate uh, a platform for these these social change uh, initiatives that they have. And so I think a better there would have been a better opportunity to say, OK, we don't want you to do kneeling during the anthem anymore, but let's work with ways that you can get your message. So. We can we can do that. Um, and so that's kind of my first kind of issue with it. Um, obviously as an employer, they have an absolute right to sort of, you know, lay out what their conduct is. This isn't a question of honestly, uh, you know, first amendment free speech as a lawyer, I'm pretty comfortable saying that, you know, that they're allowed to tell their employees how to act. And if they don't want to act a certain way that they have a right to fire them, um, that players have every right to sort of you know, still engage in, in, in speech if they want to. Um, I think it's short-sighted. Um, I, I do think that I, I agree with Paul a bit that this seems to be more of a reaction to uh, a political, you're right that, you know, we don't have to associate everyone who, who thinks that um, players should stand uh, with, with the president or, or the, or the worst possible arguments made available to it. But I do think that, in this case, it is more of a reaction to that than it is a holistic approach to, hey, how can we how can we best incorporate, you know, the great huge platform we have that our players want to use, um, uh, and 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 what we as owners would prefer the league look like. So I don't know, I you know that's why I'm sort of torn on it because I think it's a compromise, but I think it's a bad compromise, and I'm I'm not entirely sure, you know how how much compromise there was as opposed to them just saying, well, I think if we do this, this is enough. And so wondering if it's saying, yeah, I can, I, I got a text from, Hello? from Paul who appears to have dropped off. So do you have final thoughts on this? And then we'll, we'll, we'll get Paul back I'm on the line. You've been all bollocked up. Yeah. All bollocked up. It's because we're talking. All right. You're both back on. I made, I'm finished with my eloquent point about the, the compromise being sort of a poor compromise, but I think we, uh, I think we should move on unless there are any, any final rebuttal thoughts here. Um, and then we have 
uh, we should lighten up the mood a bit. I don't know. What do you, are we, are we prepared for a wacky schedule? I, I think we should, because to go straight into the anthem to what was the next topic, which uh, was, is also people in their jobs. Maybe we, we go to the wacky schedule. Oh, I'd love to just lost our, per okay, man, this has gotten poor. All right, we're going to try again. Hold on. I'm back. Scott's back. Okay. Okay. Brought to you by Anchor. We're working on it, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, there's okay. So we'll. You know what? No, let's let's go with the Buffalo news. Let's talk about them, right. people, and then we'll we'll finish on the high note. Okay, and we'll try and do it all at one. We won't disconnect anymore. We'll try and get it all done in one shot. So the, the Buffalo news bought out some of the the um, reporters that cover the Bills. I think it was Bucky Gleason and and um, Jerry Sullivan. Jerry Sullivan. Yep. Right. Uh, and, and Paul, you may know m more about the, the details here um, since you're right. sort of a little more connected than we are to Buffalo. Sure. Yeah. So the what's been going on the news and this has happened in multiple departments and we'll tie this into, you know, why this affects you as a Bills fan as you're listening. So they've been going through a series of buyouts in various departments, taking, you know, high people who make bigger salaries, been around for a while, seeing if there's a place for them on the team anymore. And if there's not. You know, what they're doing essentially is going ahead and, you know, encouraging them to take buyouts. So they did this with Bucky Gleason within the last week, who's been with the news for, I believe, over 20 years at this point. He's covered the Buffalo Bills, you know, pretty much, uh, not exclusively, he's done some Sabres coverage during that time, but largely the Bills. The bigger name, which many of you who follow the Bills on Twitter and, and you know, are following other people who follow the Bills besides us, not that you need to follow anyone besides us is Jerry Sullivan, who's been with the Buffalo News for 29 years. He is certainly a divisive figure in a lot of ways. I know Frank is not a, a big fan. I find myself disagreeing with him a lot, too, and I think he could use a little more substantive analysis. But what <laughs> he does bring is a good, you know, he's got a good history with the game. He has, you know, good historical knowledge that can bring context to situations you know, he's frequently going back and looking at old articles to say, okay, how is this different than the drawn era right now? And just doing those sorts of things. And he also, he had a lot of negative opinions, which he gets uh, a lot of flack for. That said, if you're saying only positive things about an organization that didn't make the playoffs for 17 straight seasons, you're probably overly optimistic to begin with. But the, where I think this ties in to Bills fans as a whole on a larger schedule is, you know, when you take away these people, you know, at local news organizations whose job it is to cover a team for a newspaper and written print, now you're becoming increasingly reliant either on the behemoths, the ESPNs of the world who are only going to don't have as nuanced a coverage because they're not dedicating someone full time to following the team. And you're essentially the other people are, you know, the uneducated adults like us who just like to spout off and we don't have any sort of accountability because we're just fans like everyone else. And we don't have to, you know, collect a paycheck for our analysis. So, you know, with all of that, with all of that in mind, with all that in mind, I think, you know, what is more you know, concerning to me is that with the more of these jobs that start to go the way of the dinosaur, it's going to contribute to less coverage. It's going to contribute to less accountability. And if you, I encourage you to look at, you know, Daryl Talley and Jerry Sullivan's exchange on Twitter, where Daryl Talley says right to him, 
you know, you called me mediocre at the end of one season and outlined why. And that really stung, but it told me that the next season I needed to get better. And I did. And I thank you for that. So, you know, these guys can have influence on the game. So, you know, it's regardless of your opinion on these individuals, and certainly I encourage everyone to give their opinion on these individuals, you know, it's just a, a disconcerting trend that, you know, the reliance is now going to be on, you know, fans and bloggers like us who aren't, you know, professionals who devote our lives full time to this analysis, you know, or to, you know, big behemoth media organizations that don't devote the time they should do analysis either. Um, yes, I, I do. I think the, I, to me, I just like the lesser problem is Jerry Sullivan. Like I can, as a, as a million hot take artists, you know, and that's kind of what he fell into. And I, and, and his, his time with Tally, um, I was, I think you're right. I think he had his place and I think he sort of got into the, I don't know about lazy habit. I don't want to say that somebody's lazy, but. Yeah, I get into a sense of, I, I think the, I can't think of the word, but it's almost like comfort, a sense of complacency, if you will. Yeah. He just sort of knew his little niche and he knew that there were people in Buffalo that liked it. And that was it. And it was like, Hey, I can be a crank and I can do this. And he asked that, really embarrassing question about Cam Newton and black quarterbacks in Super Bowls that sort of seem to have no real, you know, aim. And like the, you know, like when's the last time you did actual journalism? Like forever ago, right? Like, so, you know, I, I do agree. I, I you, you do want bodies on the ground and you want people, you know, following the team every day. And, and, and while WGR does a good job and really, I feel like Sal Capaccio, who was a guy I did not like when I first started, listening to him and he settled into beat reporter role. He's a really good beat reporter. I didn't like his, I didn't like his opinion takes. I, I, you know, I felt like he was sort of a little ridiculous, but he settled in as a really good, I think, you know, team reporter, um, you know, but they also have a special relationship with the team and Chris Brown, Chris Brown. And now you're talking about like the guy from Rochester, you know, like, uh, you know, Leo Roth or, or um, Selma Arana. You have to count on those guys. And so anytime you lose bodies in that room or you, you, you cede that to like ESPN who has um, uh, the guy like Mike Rodak, who's really covering four teams and, you know, Buffalo's the smallest market, you know, you're, you're losing contact with the team. And it is people like us and people like Buffalo rumblings. We almost exclusively rely on their reporting to make sense of our opinions. And so, you know, you know, we're sort of, it's bad because we're sort of, you know, not so much us, like we don't really have a big following and we don't really make any money on this, but some sites like let's, let's just say Buffalo rumblings without really blaming them, you know, they sort of, you know, rely on all that, but then don't give anything back to it. They just sort of eat the, the, the market share, but without really doing anything to, to, to feed, uh, you know, the, 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 to feed, to feed back and, and, to, and keep it sustainable. So we'll see what kind of ripple effect it has as well. Um, we've lost Scott in, 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 in this discussion. So we now have to disconnect and, and go back and then we're going to have a really serious discussion about whether anchor is working or not, because there's some things I really like, and yet it continues to drop all the time. So let's see if we can get Scott back. All righty. Okay. Nobody, nobody do anything except talk. Yeah, I'm actually not planning to move for the duration. I have now 
I don't know what's happening. I don't know why, like, how this keeps happening. Like, my uh, Wi-Fi has not been great recently, so I can't rule out that it's just me having bad Wi-Fi. So, okay, well, wacky schedule us before something terrible happens. What I will do is, I will do the wacky schedule. Okay, the wacky schedule begins with uh, the first game. I'm scared to look at my email, but I guess I'm going to have to. Uh, Best of luck. Well, while you're looking at it, let me set it up for everyone because we might have new listeners. Wacky schedule, of course, is in the in the in the canon of of football things to do is, of course, to look at the schedule and predict the results, which makes absolutely no sense. But it doesn't stop people from doing it in June. Uh, So our wacky schedule, Scott is very nice and imagines scenarios largely from a sci-fi or or fantastic realm. Uh, that allow us to sort of dig into the sillier aspect of schedule prediction in, in May. Um, so, and, and with our new anchor app, uh, provided I don't burn it to the ground after this week, um, uh, you can call in on the anchor app and leave your thoughts on the, on the, um, on the wacky schedule and what your picks are. And if you have any suggestions for future wacky schedule games, cause we do this a quarter of the season at, at a time. Um, always interested in new thoughts because I am not always the most creative, but uh, well, always, I am pretty well. We're, we're always happy to dismiss new thoughts, I mean, that's exactly really what it's about. But are, so, do you have your are you prepared now for yes, very good? Now. Let's do this. I'm excited. So, this is our my favorite thing about the offseason, absolutely. Okay, so week one, uh, so uh, the at this point, uh, the NFL struggling to maintain relevance uh controversy over the anthem decision controversy over concussions sad failing ratings right failing ratings you know it's it's there's a lot of questions about where the nfl is going they plowed a lot of money into time travel research Mm. and they think they've caught something not only and not only time travel research but cloning and growth hormone research so not so they can bring people they can replicate people and what they've engineered for week one in, in a trial match for this particular, uh, you know, new way of doing business is the Buffalo Bills represented by 22 uh, actual Buffalo Bills. They go mm. back, to time, they bring back Buffalo Bill, they bring him into, the tw- into 2018, they clone him, they replicate him. They have about a week to teach him football after he's fully grown and, uh, you know, learns English and such. Um, and the then, clones, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, the clones, yeah. And then uh, they send him out there. Still coached by McDermott. We're going we're gonna to leave that, that you know, to, to take our Ditka, you know, analysis to the next level here. He's – McDermott's still the coach. Uh, they And then – so then they uh, – against the Buffalo Bills in week one – uh, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, there was talk about whether they, you know, attempt to animate, you know, Edgar Raven or something, mm. I, whose last name is Raven. But they ended up going with the kind of more, you know, uh, literarily accurate approach and uh, got Edgar Allan Poe, famous 19th century Baltimore poet, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. Edgar Allan Poe and cloned him and uh, claimed over 22 clones of uh, Edgar Allan Poe. And so they, so it is, it is 
It is Buffalo, 22 Buffalo Bills versus 22 Edgar Allan Poe's in the first game of the season. Go. This is an excellent uh, uh, first um, week one option here. And, and I'm, I'm largely trying to figure out how both of these men died. Because, of course, the very interesting thing about Edgar Allan Poe beyond his career and that the fact, you know, he writes The Raven, and that's why The Ravens are named The Ravens. Um, mm-hmm. He was found delirious in the streets of Baltimore in great distress and in need of immediate assistance on October 3rd, 1849. Um, Poe was never coherent long. Whoa. You don't know how he dies? His, no. his, his death is famous. He was never coherent long enough to explain how he came to be in this dire condition and oddly was wearing clothes that were not his own. He is said to have repeatedly called out the name Reynolds on the night before his death, though it is unclear who he was referring. Some sources they say that Poe's final words were, Lord, help my, help my poor soul. All medical records have been lost, including his death certificate. Um, they, so they don't really know how he died other than maybe it was a, a, um, a uh, possibly like a, you know, like syphilis She's or something that it, like affected his brain. Um, I had heard, of course, that he also was in women's clothing. And then there's this person who's like the Poe visitor who like showed up at his grave on the anniversary, the Poe toaster. That's him. That's right. And she just stopped coming like uh, uh, a few years back. Right. Um, all of which is just, you know, um, compared to, to Bill Cody, who who smartly was baptized Catholic the day before he died in Colorado. Um, uh, but you know, I hate to pull out this old trope at the, at the, so early in the season guys, but, um, at the end of the day, it's a football game and I'm going to go with the guy who, you know, rode his horse across the country a couple of times, as opposed to the poet who, you know, probably had syphilis. I'm going to say, you know, Bills beat Ravens probably, uh, probably like, uh, I'm going to say 18 to six. I don't, I think they're going to miss all the kicks. I think nobody's going to. It's an ugly game. It's an ugly game. It's not fun. It'll be a tough game. I think the Ravens are going to have some unique defensive linemen. We haven't seen the mask of the Red Death. Sounds intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they're going to line yeah. up. Uh, that Telltale way. heart. Telltale heart. On two. <laughs> they, will, uh, they will no doubt uh, cause the fall of the House of Usher during the course of the game as well. I do not want to move and look up more Poe titles, so uh, that's all I'm going to know off the top of my head here. Brian, Brian Dable entombed behind a wall. Looking oh, for a bottle, of, looking for a, looking for the cask of Amontillado. Oh boy, this is right. Annabelle with, Lee. Yep, I don't know. If you if you listen to us, this is what you're getting. You know, right. just to warn you when the regular season starts, we're still going to have literary references that go over most of our own heads, but we're going to say them anyway. So I'm going to go with Frank though too on this. I think brawn over brain. I think uh, I think this is going to be a blowout by the, the Buffalo Bill Cody's. And I'm going to say, yeah, the kicking game is terrible. I'm not. I'm saying no one's going to make anything. I'll say thirty to six. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm more in line with Paul here. I could see this one running away in the second half as you know the the pose begin to kind of tire on the field here. You know, they probably would need some absinthe or some such thing to kind of keep them in the game. Yeah. But even that's going to kind of lose its effect, um, and they'll just be wandering around on the field at some point, you know, with holes in their brain or something as they, you know try and, you know, figure out what the, what the bills are running. So yeah, I could see this getting out of hand, you know, something like, you know, 42, you know, six or something. Yeah. So, okay. So I feel like that was successful. Um, Well, it wasn't really successful from the NFL's point of view, but that's never stopped them before. So who knows? Maybe we'll see more of it. That might get better ratings than an actual Bills Ravens game. Bills one and Bills one and oh, here we go. 
I don't know. Put it on the board. All right, week two. This is a home game versus the Chargers. Obviously, everyone remembers what happened last year. Nathan Peterman, five interceptions in the first half, one of the worst starts in NFL history, quarter quarterback. Um, and, again, this is wacky schedule. Things, oh, you know, this one stretches the bounds of credulity. If you thought them resurrecting Nathan P, you know, um, resur- damn it, I stepped on it. <laughs> Nathan Peterman would be true science fiction. Right. He died in Los Angeles, you know, eight months ago. <laughs> they, 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 yeah, they bring Nathan Peterman back. They brought him back. Uh, and they started him in this game. That is the level of insanity that this wacky schedule brings to you, is the Bills attempting to start Nathan Peterman at home against the San Diego Chargers. So, I, I, okay. I, I, again, I, I don't want to, like, if you guys need a second to kind of wrap your minds around it, if you want to let's, like, scream, like, the primal scream that that need, by all means, go ahead. I feel like we should start with Paul on this because we yeah. started last time. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. Yeah, this is a, a tough one. I can't imagine this scenario ever becoming reality. You know, I, I believe that the, the Bill Cody's and the Ed Ground pose, I can see – you know, time travel, gene splicing, cloning, lots of things coming into play that make that reality. I don't know if I can do that with this. So it's really going to be a stretch for my creative juices mentally. I will say, okay, I'm playing out this this game in my mind right now with my eyes closed. I'm going to say they're going to have to commit to Peterson and Peterman in full, which means you're looking at a 10 interception game as opposed to the five. Ooh. So I think that's going to hurt the Bills. Yeah, it's going to hurt the Bills mildly. Uh, he, there will be the, uh, the McCoy touchdown in the first half that they got in, in Los Angeles. And I'll say they'll get another in the second half. So I'm going to say the bills have 14 and I will say 10 interceptions, some touchdowns, field goals in there. I'm going to say 406, 406 <laughs> to 14 chargers. A triple digit loss. That's a tough yes. one. That's a tough beat in week two. <laughs> Things are still going so well. Okay. It hey, but it happened to them in the middle of the season last year, and they still made the playoffs with the three hey, straight double game. So, yeah. Um, so, I think it would be a cheat if it was, you know, they just started him, like, wishbone style, and, you know, you know, he only had one play, and then they pulled him out like Matt Castle. I think oh, it'd also yeah, be cheating if they, if they started him at a different position. Uh, <laughs> but what I say is not cheating is that you never specify – you did specify Nathan Peterman. Damn it. I thought yeah. we, you kept saying Peterman. I thought for a minute because I was going to have Jay oh, Peterman. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And he, you know. And Orlando and, would enjoy that because Orlando and I only talk about Jay Peterman whenever Nathan Peterman's in a quarterback. We, we, may, we may have a Jay Peterman uh, appearance later in the season. Who's to say? McDermott, my friend, that is one ripping good yarn. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave that. We'll leave that be. Um, yeah, I think – okay, so I'm, I'll answer this seriously. I think that what will happen – and I'll, I'll give the boring answer. Um, I think what would happen is he would probably throw two interceptions and one touchdown, and it would not be exciting in any real meaningful way, uh, yeah. sadly. Um, yeah. So it, it, he would just sort of look like average to below average and probably below average, and um, the Bills would lose, and they would probably lose um, – yeah, I don't, let's just say he can't get much going. There's no receivers. Uh, so, look, I'm going to answer your question a lot more literally than I originally wanted to since my Jay Peterman joke really not allowed. Um, I, but I think they would probably lose something like, you know, 33 to 
15. Like they, they, they'd get blown out again, even though he wasn't, he wouldn't necessarily be the turnover machine uh, that he was last year. As, as people who have listened to the podcast in years past know, I usually do once a season have a kind of um, one that's wacky, but in, in, in actuality is not really that wacky. You know, there's a Monday night football game. This is, this is that one for this season. So we'll, we'll get it out of the way now. Similarly, I think the chargers would be the favorite in this game, even if they were, even if the bills were starting McCarron or Allen mm-hmm. uh, for that matter. Um, so certainly with Peterman, I would imagine Peterman himself would probably feel a little bit of trepidation uh, as trotting out on the field to what would only, what can I, I would only assume would be a resounding chorus of boos from the bills faithful as he took the field against the chargers. Um, So I'm sure that's not going to help out. So I could see it getting a little out of hand, something like 31, 14, but it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be necessarily that, you know, it, it, it would be an NFL game, you know, but the chargers would still be probably, uh, more uh likely to win so we will move on to week three and then i'm, I'm gonna pull an audible for week four here guys so you're oh, oh damn all right go ahead um but week three so again nfl continuing experiment with different formats uh what they decide to do is play is to to go into recent past and and you know there's a lot of talk about how you know, there's a lot of advanced graphics and things that make it seem like a video game with the Madden cam and things like that. So the NFL decides to take that to the next logical step and change the entire rules of American football to the NFL blitz game from the mid to late 90s. So what that means is everyone's going to be playing seven aside. Um, you have to go 30 yards to get a first down. But obviously with seven aside, there's a little more time to throw sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um there yeah, is no what's such a thing seven as aside alignment by the alignment, by the way. Is it like the original tech mobile alignment where you only have three offensive linemen and four receivers and backs? Is there's uh you know, I'm just No, I think it's I think it's I think it's one I think it's a center, a lineman, and then a QB. Well actually yeah. So it's a problem. Maybe it's just a center and I think it was five. Okay. I, I'd have to double check. But uh anyway, but there's no unnecessary roughness. Uh, there's no late hits, uh, you know, again, clearly a controversial step for the NFL, given their recent problems with concussions. But Jerry Hughes a different is loving this. In the 90s. Jerry Hughes, very excited about this, about this game against the, uh, what is it, against the Vikings or the Packers? The Vikings, yeah. Who cares? The Vikings, yeah, right? The, Vikings. the point is it's NFL blitz. Um, yeah. Well, I'm ready, and I'm going to tell you this is what we're going to do. Uh, okay. We're going we're gonna to hit turbo three times. We're going to press jump one time and we're going to press tap pass two times and then we're going to hit left. And when you do that, you power up your blockers. And I'm doing nice. that because the running game is going to win this game for the Buffalo Bills. I might also punch uh-huh. in a zero three two left to run faster. Um, but the point is the Vikings don't know all the NFL blitz codes I know. And so I'm going to punch all them in and I'm going to probably add some big heads just for fun. Uh, and the the thing nice. where like the ride, you know, they get the 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 ride hat from Mortal Kombat because it's a midway game. Um, yeah. We'll add those for fun, and you know, also Kirk Cousins, he's been paid, and he'll he'll revert to his his ridiculous <laughs> regular old Kirk Cousins throw for three hundred yards, but you know, two touchdowns and four interceptions or whatever. And uh, I think the Bills will win this game mostly based on the cheat codes. Uh, but if you're not cheating, you're not trying. 
So I'm going to go with the Bills in this one. Uh, I'm, you know, in a, in a good NFL. Bl- oh, hold on. I've also got to get a roll of quarters to make sure we can play enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Quarters, yes. But I'll, I'll say the Bills win this one 44 to 16. Yeah, the amount of planning that goes into this, you know, Frank is clearly well prepared. So I think that bodes very well for the Bills' chances. I think when you look at who is hurt more by being pixelated as a human, I think it's going to hurt Cousins a lot more than it hurts whoever the hell the Bills are signing a quarterback that day. I think there might not even be that much of a difference in performance once they've pixelated the the players. So I'm going to say the, the Vikings are just going to be too caught off guard by the, the low-tech and the Bills will also think, oh, man, remember the, the mid-'90s when we were always one of the best football teams? It will just be, you know, a lot of nostalgia oh, comes like into it. it as well. Yeah. So I, I think I'm going to have to go with, with Frank here, too, and pick the, the mild upset. And I say, I say the Bills take this one, you know, eh, 21 to 20. I'll say it's close. Okay. Well, I think, I think unfortunately, you're both wrong. I don't think the Bills are going to come away with this one. Uh, as, as Frank always says, sometimes a video game is just a video game. Yeah, it's and true. I, I think, I think if you're looking at the talent that the, uh, Vikings are going to roll out there, I mean, yeah, I mean, no one's really a big fan of Kirk cousins in this neck of the woods, but you got to like him over whoever the bills are going to be throwing out there at quarterback in this game. Um, even in a video game setting. Um, and you know, yeah, the bills probably have some guys, you know, I think Hyde and Poyer, you could see them you know, trying to come up on who's the guy on Minnesota more. Is that who it was? I can't remember his name. The, I was just thinking about that play today that too. And can't remember his name. Could see them, could see them putting, you know, uh, that guy in a suplex, you know, and slamming him and breaking his back on the field. And that would probably help. But even with a good couple of good defensive plays from the safeties and corners, I'm not sure the bills have enough firepower to keep up in this game. Uh, I mean, yeah, having LaShawn McCoy cheat codes would help. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is a pretty good cheat code. just and, On his own, right, yeah. But uh, I, still think, uh, I still think the Vikings pull this one out, so I'll give it like 28-24 uh, Vikings. All right. Uh, and then moving on to four, uh, week four, the game against the Packers. Um, and I think at this point we need to do – because Frank mentioned this on the last podcast, it was something we needed to do. We may have mentioned it in a text afterwards, but we may have to go into spoiler alert territory. Paul, have you seen Avengers Infinity War? I have not, but I probably won't until it comes out on DVD and I've long forgotten mm. this discussion. I'll, I'll forgotten the discussion. That's okay. Let's go this route. Frank, what do yeah, you think? Yeah, I've... Because I feel like this is the... We have to do it now, right? For timeliness? Yeah. All right. Well, it's up to well, it's up to Paul. If Paul doesn't want to be spoiled for Avengers: Infinity War, we should go with the original line. No, I, I don't mind being oh, spoiled. Do, do not underestimate how crappy my memory can get when it comes to movies. All I right, well then I think we can actually we can actually be a do a generic kind of version okay. of it. We can hit the bottom line. But I think that anybody so who Paul... really wants to be careful not to have that movie spoiled and hasn't seen it yet, you know, avert your ears. Should, should, Come back to this podcast should, later. Should, yeah. Should, yeah, come back to this segment later, yeah. Um, so, Paul, at the end of uh, – so, basically, in getting back to our wacky schedule, in week four of the Bills season, um, some bad things happen. Okay. Thanos comes down from outer space, and he's got all of the infinities, mm-hmm. which is kind of bad news for everybody. Mm-hmm. And Because his whole thing in the movie – 
is to basically just kill half of the sentient populations of all the universe's civilizations. Right, as one does. And yeah. one, as one does when you a uh, mad titan right. and have the infinity goal. And uh, unfortunately, the Avengers pull out all the stops, came just so close to keeping him from doing that, but they weren't quite able to. And he snaps his fingers and vaporizes half of the Earth's population as well as the rest of the universe instantaneously, basically. Wow. In the matter of seconds. Yep. So that's kind of a Yeah, that sucks. But then the Bills have to go play the the Packers the next day. Uh, Both teams at 50% of their roster. It's kind of, you know, again, we're handicapping this game in the future, so we don't know who exactly is going to be there for both sides. So I'm going to say it's tough to predict, but I feel like it's incumbent on us to kind of throw out some possibilities and throw out some of my hypotheses, assuming that, again, half of both rosters have been obliterated in the Thanos rapture that happens in week or four. Or snapture, as it became known in the reviews. I, I'm not on the social oh, okay. media, so I, I, I don't the snapture. know. The snapture. Right. Um, like okay. Man, this uh, is, that is intense, by the way, for a superhero movie. I, I feel like that normally gets thwarted before it happens. So. Well, you know, they did... Um, well, now let's just talk about it for a second because um, I feel bad that yes, we've, well, we've heard Paul so much. Um, as a bit of background, in the <laughs> comics, he does this because his girlfriend is the embodiment of death and he's like, hey, I got something for you and he's going to kill half the universe. In the movies, they change his motivation um, a bit and I think... It, Slightly less esoteric. Right, it, it's, it's less and esoteric more and more like that they don't inter- introduce a whole bunch of new nonsense. Um, they did, however, film Avengers 3 and 4 at the same time. So my belief is while it might not be wholly undone in, in Avengers Four, um, you know the, the final the final say on this is not over. Um, so you know perhaps yes. it can be thwarted still. Um, but once you've seen the movie, I'm, I'm and, and perhaps Scott, you and I could discuss this. I will I will I will delve into my very deep thoughts on what Marvel is likely okay. to do. But I don't want to I don't want to. That's not this podcast. Um, right. And, and and it's unlikely they're going to convince Thanos to unsnap his fingers by the Sunday of the of right, week four. Right, right. You know, not so. really a Bills fan, Thanos. Probably probably <laughs> a Vikings fan because he's purple. Probably a Vikings fan. And he's fan. not too so happy he, with how last week turned out, you know? So, <laughs> exactly. so. so he's, and he hates the Packers, so maybe they'll get right. lucky and he'll take a Rodgers. Yep. So. Uh, so that would be I, the key I, for me. Will, will, will Rodgers be one of those two? And we just don't know that. I feel if they... If they take one of the Bills quarterbacks or two, it's not going to make a difference. Heck, you could argue that if it takes three of the Bills quarterbacks, it might not be that big a difference in their game planning. But if, if Rodgers... It might be the people you might hope to get yeah. in if you're the It's Bill. like, oh, they keep McCoy, they keep Tredavious White, they keep Poyer, they keep Hyde. I'm like, all right, this is great. I still think, though, yeah. I'm a big believer in in destiny in this world. And I do not believe the Bills have beaten the Packers in Green Bay ever. And I don't think the Packers have ever beaten the Bills in Buffalo ever. And I'm pretty sure this game is in Green Bay. So unfortunately, you know, I, even though this Infinity War has wiped out half the earth and we don't know who's gone, I think it's just bad luck for the Bills playing Green Bay. So I have to go with the Packers in this one. Right. Well, uh, first of Frank's all, going to have a much right. more creative answer on this one. First of all, Mr. Pagula, I'm not feeling so good. Um, second of all, oh, no. Oh, no. too soon. Second of all, um, See, you're not you're not thinking this through deeply enough, Paul. That's oh, what I'm saying. 
Because it's not just simply half the Packers are gone. It's half of everybody is gone. And what unfortunately has happened is that the person who is in charge of driving the bus, who brings the Packers from the facility to the stadium, is one of the people who disappears. And think in mid-drive. Now, thankfully, he wasn't going very fast. The pack, Nobody in the Packers dies, okay? But half the team is gone. They die, apparently. Um, but of the other half, lots of injuries. They've got to take the field half hobbling. And the referees are also cut in half. They're, there's only, like, two referees that show up, so they can't keep track of everything. And by a weird stroke of luck, the only possible way you could call it a stroke of luck, the only people who the, the people who go missing from the Bills are from the bottom half of the roster. And so it's all set up for the Bills. And there they go, and they go into Lambeau. They've got all their starters on offense and defense. They're missing a couple of special team players. A lot of depth talent, so they're looking tired. But they're playing against an injured Packers team, missing you know a more even distribution of players, even though they have – Aaron Rodgers, but maybe not all of their receivers. And so there they are. They get to go in and they get to play um, against against uh, this sort of hobbled Packers team. Um, and as they as they take the field and they start to play, um, unfortunately, what happens is um, some of the surviving heroes, who I won't name feel bad for the Packers and they sign one day contracts. Oh no. They sign one oh, day no. contracts to even it out. And oh, and no. the Bills basically lose to the Avengers, West Coast or Midwest or however you want to, you know, they lose to the Great Lake Avengers, which was a real team. Um and and uh you know, so they were all set up. They were they were basically winning at the half and then and then unfortunately have to, you know, choke it away. Yeah, Here comes that. A bunch, bunch of heroes who, for some reason, felt the need to take it out on Buffalo, uh, per usual. Um, once again, proving that these, you know, el- elitist Manhattan superheroes just really have it in for small town Buffalo. Um, yeah, can't yeah, they can't. Well, they they thought they did. They basically, you know, <laughs> kill the bus man. And anyway, uh, the point is, it's much more tragic and sad than 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 you know, Paul was getting good credit for. Yep, yeah, no, that is that is tough. Yeah, that's no, that's 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 a great answer, Frank. I don't know if I, I've got much to top that. I mean, yeah, I was, I was pretty much just going to pin it all on, on. I mean, I think the one thing I'd add to Frank's answer is that you got to wonder about the hometown crowd in right. Green Bay. I mean, I've been to Green Bay; they do love the Packers. I don't think the the snapter would would change that. Um, I still, you you think that they maybe aren't coming to play that day after half the world's population kind of instantly vanishes. So that's tough. I don't know. But uh, I still think the Packers win. I mean, I think I think Rodgers, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it does come down to Rodgers. I think Paul's right there. I think if Rodgers uh, shows up, again, presuming no, uh, you know, he doesn't get injured, his driver doesn't get injured, his, you know, nutritionist doesn't get, you know, uh, you know, racked up or something. You know, that's the, uh, you know, I think Rodgers makes it, the Bills lose. He doesn't make it. Uh, we're going to have to, yeah. Then I think it's at least it's a game. I still think it's 50-50. So I'll just put it at like Green Bay 24-14 or something like that. We'll call it a day for wacky schedule for week, for quarter one. Wonderful. This was, that was a really good, 
audible you called by the way i'm 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 thrilled with that that choice that you made um and i think that is going to wrap it up for our podcast this week um appreciate you listening sorry about the technical difficulties hopefully when i clean it up a bit it won't sound as bad as it was annoying for us um you know we're still sort of working through the kinks and and you know, we're not married to anything yet, but there are things that this thing does really well that I don't want to give up if I can help it. Um, <laughs> you know, but but perhaps we will. Um, we appreciate it. We'll probably do another podcast, I'd say, in like a month or something big happens, we'll do it then. But, um, you know, we'll let OTAs and some of minicamp happen and then we'll, we'll we'll get in maybe less than a month then. But, but we'll let minicamp at least probably get started before we we talk anymore um and we'll have some more wacky schedule and have some more thoughts and hopefully a little more information about what's going on um but until that time thank you so much for listening uh my name is frank i'm scott good night everyone